Do I need a life coach? You're listening to episode 30 with Rhiannon Bush. Welcome to the Do I Need a Life Coach podcast. We're here to discuss the ins and outs of the life coaching industry and give you tools to use to see for yourself. I'm your host, Rhiannon Bush, mother, management consultant, and a passionate, certified life coach. Well, hello, my friends. How are you today? Oh, I don't know where you're listening to this um, from in the whole world. That's a really exciting thought to me that I'm reaching all these corners of the earth that I don't even really know about. So hello to wherever you may be. In little old Tassie, (laughs) it's getting cold. It's a beautiful day today. Sun's shining, you know, blue skies. It's gorgeous. So, so lovely. But this morning I was like, oh, yeah, and the light's disappearing. So, again, wherever you are in the world, this is different probably for you. But in Tassie, we get really long days in the summer, not like Icelandic type long days, but we get sort of it's light at five, it's dark at 10 at night. So, we get quite a long, long light. And then in the winter, it's like light at 7am and it's dark at 5, <laughs> so it shortens right up. And obviously, it's relative, you know, it, it goes through its phases throughout the months. But yeah, the light's drawing in, it's getting colder. I have tomato plants that have not had a chance to actually fruit. They've got flowers, but they are not going to get any fruit, which makes me a little bit sad. And I also, so I love sunflowers absolutely love sunflowers they were the first flower that I ever grew when I was a child I got this book in primary school that had a um you know like it actually had sunflower seeds and it taught you how to grow them uh, so cool and I grew them and I loved them and every year they would like self-sow and they would re-flower and they just make me so happy I love them every time I look at them I'm like no oh, they're just pure joy and I planted a bunch we got into our house very late <laughs> and they're like half the height that they really need to be and I just I don't know I really don't know if they're going to reach their full potential or whether they're going to be a little bit stifled by our winter our Tassie winter so there you go a little update on the Tassie weather for you today I want to talk to you about being inspired can you believe this is episode 30 I'm just I'm really proud of myself episode 30 amazing But I was thinking recently, you're the constant in your life, right? So through the seasons that we go through, through shifts in relationships, in our circumstances, in our jobs, in our breakups, the way we travel, us, ourselves, we are the constant. You're the constant. And as you go through life, you learn things, you fail at things, you grow, you investigate, you get curious, you upskill, you diversify, you adapt. All of this adds immense value to the person that you are and what it is that you bring. And I remember watching something on the NBA Damien's really into NBA so we watch a lot of sort of documentaries like The Last Dance and there was this um, beautiful one about the American team that went to the US to compete in basketball and like Kobe Bryant was in it which was quite sad Um, but we yeah we talk a lot about it but one of the things I remember from those documentaries is it saying that 
you know, when you're a kid growing up in a really low socioeconomic area and there's a lot of fighting around you and you don't have, you know, the most stable home life, but you also don't have the privilege of a proper basketball court, you grow up in the streets playing basketball. And because of that, you use your environment and you use what you can to your advantage in order to win and to compete. Whereas more privileged basketball players that grew up in sort of the Ivy League schools or, you know, the the schools and the the courts with families that could provide that kind of extracurricular activity where they've got to play on proper basketball courts, they often, not always obviously, but are often somewhat less creative because they are restricted by, in their thinking I mean, by the fact that they've had a court their whole lives. It's that size, there are the lines, these are the rules you follow, this is what you do do, this is what you don't do, this is what you can and can't do. Whereas in the streets, you can get creative and you can bend the rules and shape the game how you want to because it's not a set court. There's street rules and you play with your street smarts. So it it was really got me thinking because, yeah, throughout our lives, what our experiences are and what we do in our lives – whether that's the same as those around us in our normal environment, whether it's different, will enable us and provide us with a way of contributing more value to an organisation, for instance, or to ourselves in our lives than if we don't do things. Every single one of us experiences things differently, which means we can contribute differently. I remember also hearing about a real estate guy who came out to, I think from somewhere like the Philippines, came out to Australia And he did so well in real estate. He made like millions of dollars within a few years because he saw the opportunities that those that were raised, sorry, in this environment couldn't see. And because he saw opportunities and he was willing to put himself out there and do things a little bit differently, it paid off because all of us who are conditioned to our culture and to our ways of working – couldn't identify the opportunities in the way that he could because he'd come from the background that he'd come from. So you're the constant, you, and your wealth of experience and knowledge and skills grows over time depending on what it is that you're interested in and the things that you expose yourself to, the diverse experiences, both good and bad, that you overcome or that you may fail at or choose not to pursue anymore, but it all adds a lot of value. I find I end up reading a lot of books halfway through and then I stop. And I've often wondered (laughs) and gotten a little bit frustrated over why I struggle to finish and also why it takes me sometimes so long to read one book. So I'm reading this book at the moment called The Tall Lady with the Iceberg. Brilliant book, very sales oriented. Um, It's really great. And yet I've started it probably three times and I've gotten a chapter in or a a part in, I think it's a three-part book and the first part I've read and then I just I just really struggle. Whereas give me a fictitious book that I can just escape in my mind to and oh I just like I can stay up until three AM reading it. I just don't get tired. Um, and this is again why for those of you who've listened to a few of my episodes, I'm going to structure my year this year like a school year. So right now it's school term, so we are in session, we are concentrating, we are writing, we are working, we are growing, we're developing. We're committed to our personal development and professional development. Uh, And then come the school holidays, which land on Easter this year, uh, 
Yes, I think they normally do. But I will be then reading my fictitious books and taking some time off my extracurricular working life and, and all that sort of thing. So anyway, that's what I'm doing. After discussing my inability to finish things with my coach, I realise that I love reading books that I feel will add value to me. Or if I get to a point where I believe they stop becoming relevant to what it is that I'm doing and my ability to implement what it teaches me, like when I can't use them on what I'm currently doing in my life, I can't see the point and I stop. And I also find books and new information really exciting and enlightening in the beginning. And by the end of the book, even though I'm sure that information is really, really relevant and valid and probably more important in terms of content and practical application and implementation than the introductory information and the information provided in, you know, the earlier beginning of the book, I struggle to get it read. I almost get a few chapters in or halfway through and I go, great, I think I've got the purpose of this book and then I'm happy to leave it. So when it comes to coaching and personal and professional development, professionally, I have a very diverse skill set. I can serve businesses in multiple ways. So I've never become a very clear specialist in what I do necessarily. And I also think that happens early in our careers because as an assistant or an associate, you're kind of used as this body just to do whatever anybody else in the organization that, that are higher up need you to do. This can comprise of a range of tasks that have no specific synergy of skill. It's very generic. You definitely learn and develop in many, many ways, a lot of which will serve you. And let's be honest, when you're in a corporate environment, your skill set kind of needs to be set fairly diverse. Like you need to be really great in um, Microsoft Office Suite and other apps and your ability to be personable and to follow instructions and to elicit what you need from a client, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, the range of tasks that don't have that specific synergy of skill but and is also very generic is still valuable. And when it comes to working on something that is constant and across the course of your life, I believe you'll gravitate more to something you love. So I have come full circle finally. <laughs> so for instance, my, my career, right, I have worked in international tennis out of London where, you know, they had in Roehampton their high performance centre and I was able to run pre-Wimbledon events with the tournament director who I just adored. He was hard but he was amazing. And I worked on the O2 and then I worked on the Davis Cup in Naples. You know, I got to have this amazing experience at an international skill level um, you know, with the best of the best tennis players in the world and the best organisations that host those. So it was in, just an incredible experience. And then I stepped back into consulting and I also have worked in performing arts in the, the theatre. I've also worked in like just a whole bunch of things, restaurants, hospitality, bar work. Um, and now I'm, I'm back into management consulting. I've worked for myself. So anyway, there's a whole lot of skills that I now have. But as soon as I found coaching, I was like, oh, I love this and it made my world make sense and it is something I can genuinely hand on heart say I have studied and I do outside of any paid employment that I've had or I have made my full-time thing since 2017. So it's been this ongoing thing that I listen to, I learn, I study, I develop, I implement and I go from strength to strength to strength because I just love it so much. And that's what I'm talking about for you. I believe you will gravitate to something that you love and whether that is something that's met in a workplace or not, 
it's something that you will do and you will love to do. And if you can or choose to monetize, fabulous. You may not choose to monetize it. I have found that if you choose to monetize certain things that you love, the love goes. (laughs) The love kind of dies because it becomes pressured or it becomes you know, wrapped up in in money and transactions and you kind of can sometimes lose the reason that you started doing it in the first place. However, sometimes doing what you love as a profession that you're paid for is also absolutely incredible. But that is a very personal and subjective choice. That is entirely up to you. I was always out to find that thing for me. That's that thing, whether it was a skill, an industry that I was truly passionate about and also very good at. Um, There was this diagram somebody once showed me which had passion, purpose, profit, like on a Venn diagram. And then it was labeled with things like productivity, competence. You know, I can't quite remember. I couldn't find the diagram. But moral of the story is that what you love will find you and it will keep coming back to you. It will keep showing up. Because subconsciously and unconsciously you are attracted to it. So that law of attraction, the secret thing, your quantum physics, what you'll put out in the world will find you. So no matter what job you're doing with what skill set it requires, keep learning about that thing. Whether you're on the fence as to whether you want to monetize it or not, don't worry about making that decision just yet. If you've already made it, great. You're full steam ahead. But keep exposing yourself and growing in the area that you love because chances are what you're doing that generates your income will benefit from that thing anyway, that thing that keeps finding you, that thing that you're passionate about because it will add to you. And when you do this, you are growing value because you are growing your capability, your knowledge base, your skill set in the thing that you care about. And this growth in your ability will enable you to contribute And this is what will determine how successful you are or aren't. If you seek a job where you get to do that skill on more of a consistent basis, that may work for you, that may not. I've had both. Even if for some reason I can't think of, it doesn't make you more successful. And to be clear, I can't see how it wouldn't. But it will at the very least make you happier and more inspired. And when you do what you love and grow your skill base, you'll find you are more focused, you're more innovative and you're more inspired. And this will make you a more productive employee. Even if at work, you get to do very little or none of that thing that you love to do. So coaching again was something that when I found it, I loved it and I knew it and I became a student of that for life. Not because I wanted to be the best at it, not because it was a goal I'd set or a commitment I'd made to myself, but because I genuinely, truly love it. I love the way it helps people. I love understanding more about my own mind and how I can use it to work with me and overcome challenges and just be the best version of myself that I can be. And I love using my skills to help give others insight and clarity. The other week I flicked this show on Netflix called From Scratch and there's an actress in it that I love and so I thought I'd give it a go. The first episode is about that actress. She's playing a young American girl who's on a path to study law at an Ivy League school and instead she goes on a gap year or what we call it a gap year in Australia where you finish high school and you gallivant around the world (laughs) somewhere else for a year um, before you then go to university. That's typically when we have a gap year. And anyway, she chooses to have a gap year and study an art program in Florence, Italy. 
And one of the things I loved about that episode, I think I watched three, um, whether they're scripted or reality shows, what I'm finding is the places that they're filmed show the most spectacular scenery of that country. So like Emily in Paris, you get scenery of Paris that like I even though I've been to Paris, I haven't seen a lot of the stuff that's in that show. Or below deck, you get to see these spectacular views from the Caribbean or the Mediterranean and from scratch shows just beautiful footage of Florence. And she's floating around Florence and you see more imagery. She's walking around inspired and wowed at architecture, art, people, food, culture. And I know exactly what that feels like, to be awe-inspired, to be wowed, to have your breath taken away. And then she says this line, she says, I want beauty in my life. And it struck me at that point that we paint that possibility of awe and wonderment and wonderment wonderment for younger people late teens early to mid 20s but why not feel that at any age i know that's something i want to feel all the time i want to feel inspired and wowed and i want to feel that every day if i can and i haven't seen the book or the movie eat pray love but I've seen Julia Roberts in the trailer and I do think this is talking – it's talking about the same thing. I had a bit of a crisis after I had my kids. My whole life to that point had been having kids. That was – I'm not going to say the end game, but I don't – I'd never considered what life looked like after that because I didn't think I could imagine it anyway. So the thing I was working towards while I had this amazing life that – you know, and after you've had kids, there's so much life left to live. And to be honest, for me personally, so many more reasons to want to feel fulfilled and joyous and stick to my purpose and being the best person I can be and doing things that, you know, I want to accomplish. Because now I'm a mum and I'm setting an example and I'm raising two little humans that I want to have a wonderful life but also to contribute to the world and to grow as much as they want to in their lives. You know, I couldn't recall seeing any sort of TV show or have it popularised women in this time of their lives. But I think that's the other part of it. As we get older, some of us settle a bit. Whether we have kids or not, that part's irrelevant. But we have jobs we've scaled into. We have our lives. We often have financial responsibilities and obligations in the way of our parents or mortgages, or ownership in businesses. And, and life becomes less about discovering what it is we want to do with our lives and taking chances, you know, what do we want to be when we grow up? And it's more about defending or conserving the life that we've started but haven't quite finished building. We sit in this no man's land, I feel, and we lose a lot of the inspiration and hunger to explore and discover all the possibilities this world has to offer us and who we want to be in this world. So coming back to our work life and productivity and being content and gracious in today's moments, I feel everything is much more seamless when we're inspired and excited about the possibilities of what our lives could become. And I can't see any reason 
that feeling that way or having the opportunity to rewrite our story or reinvent ourselves in any and every moment should stop because we're older. No matter what path you choose to take in life, you're adding value to you. You're growing. It's banking up and whether you twist and turn, pack up and move away, drop out of something, take a course you never thought you'd take or you choose to stay right where you are, it's all adding value to your already vast wealth of knowledge and experience and skills. It's the combination of knowledge, experiences, skills and the way you have pieced things together to innovate and come up with creative solutions that adds value to your family, to your friends, to your society, to your employer, to your community. It enables you to add value and to contribute. By making yourself happy first, by satisfying your needs, by feeling inspired, you will always win. You will always grow and you will always be able to use your lessons to contribute to those around you. When was the last time you felt truly soul-enlightening, inspired? See you next week. Hey, before you go, I always find reviews really helpful when looking for new information or insights. If you found this podcast valuable, please take a minute to write a quick review about what you found most beneficial so that other people can benefit from your insights and have the listen as well. I would love that. Also, if there are any topics you want me to cover specifically about life coaching or the life coaching industry, visit rhiannonbush.com to contact me. Thanks for joining and I'll see you in the next episode of the Do I Need a Life Coach podcast.